I know, until you said that you can't take everybody. I was about, I have a desire. <laughs> but I guess you have to have the talent to match that desire to be on that worship team. Well, let's take our Bibles right now before we get into the Word of God this morning. Let's take your Bibles, let's hold them up, and let's say the words that are up on the screen together. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. It is the indestructible, incorruptible, everlasting, living Word of God. I receive it now by faith, and I believe that my life will forever be changed. Let's pray. Fathers, we can continue in this series on miracles. We thank you that you continue to prepare our heart for what you're doing in this next season. And Lord, just once again, stir our faith in you as a miracle working God. Jesus, may we forever joy over the miracle that you have done in our lives of the transformed heart. Lord, that you've brought us together in relationship with God. Lord, you are a miracle working Savior. Father, you are a miracle working God. And we thank you for bringing us to new heights in our faith when it comes to trusting you to do miracles. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, we are in a series, Miracles. This is our third week. And so let me just again remind you of what I believe is the purpose of this series. And I believe that God is preparing us as a church, as a local church, for what he's about to do in the church worldwide. I believe there's coming a revival in the coming years that's literally going to sweep hundreds of thousands of people into the kingdom of God. And we know that throughout history, when when a great influx of people are coming into the kingdom, those revivals, those seasons are accompanied by an increase of miracles. Miracles happen everywhere, and we need to get our hearts ready because we help usher those things in. We need to just increase our expectancy that we're expecting God to do miracles and that we're ready for those miracles. And so today I want to continue to help this, help us prepare for this season, and I want to minister to you a message that's simply entitled, Are You Ready for a Miracle?, and so let's go back and let's review two important things we've learned about miracles along with defining it biblically. But Psalm 136 verse 4 says this, Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles. His faithful love endures forever. Wow. Now here's what we said that we must do if we're ever going to embrace miracles. We've got to exalt God above all. We cannot compare him to anyone else. He alone does great things. In other words, let me put it like this. There's no God like our God. And we've got to believe that wholeheartedly. We've got to believe that regardless of what other so-called gods may do, the God of achievement or entertainment. or anything. There's no God like our God. In fact, we could just say this. Our God is a miracle-working God. He alone does great things no one else can do. Now, we've gone over three simple or four simple definitions for the word miracle. And these definitions... Uh, define miracle from a biblical perspective. But here they are. A miracle is a wonder. 
It's a wonderful deed, a miraculous sign and omen. That's the Hebrew usage of the word. And then Merriam-Webster gets it right because it's quoted, it's defined as this way, an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. Can we just stop for a minute and just be thankful that God intervenes in human affairs? That's a miracle. God wants to intervene in our affairs. And then the New Testament defines the word miracle in this way. That by which a person or a thing is distinguished from others and known. Wow. Because God does miracles, that makes him God. It distinguishes him above all. And then I love this one. This one, this definition of miracle is from the Greek scholar Spiros Zodiades, and it says that a miracle is a sign, finger posts of God. It's kind of like the post him notes. And you put them everywhere to remind you of something. Well, miracles are God's little post-him notes. And he just reminds us of who he is. And God, Come on. You know, you know what? He reminds us of what he can do. Sometimes we need to be reminded of what God can do. Wow. Now, here's the second thing. We need to learn about miracles, and we can't lose sight of this. And that, that is the purpose of miracles. Psalm, or rather Acts 2, 22, it says, People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. Here's what we've said. The purpose of miracles is to point people to Jesus. It's not grandstanding. God doesn't need to grandstand. He's God. God's not insecure. He knows who he is. And he knows he could wipe us all out, but he loves us. Aren't you glad he loves us? Come on. Instead, he takes care of us. Instead, he does miracles. He's looking for people who will embrace him and do those miracles. But miracles point to Jesus. And miracles point the way to Jesus. And Jesus is the way to God. And what God really wants to do with the miracles is he wants to get people to him. He wants to be in relationship with them. Now, let's get into today's message. And let's just answer this question. Are you ready? And when we look at are we ready, I want to take you to a story in the Bible. I'm I'm going to take you to Matthew's uh, recounting, or is that where I'm going? No, Mark. I want to take you to Mark, uh, the Gospel of Mark, and how he recounted this story. But this story has to do uh, with a situation, a circumstance, where it says Jesus couldn't do any miracles. Can you imagine that? So obviously, these people that Jesus was with were not ready for Jesus to do a miracle. But I want to read this account in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They ask, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them a prophet is 
A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he could he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them and he was amazed at their unbelief now here's the first thing we learn when it comes to being ready being prepared for miracles unbelief stops Jesus from working miracles hmm It doesn't say here that he wouldn't perform any. It says he couldn't perform any. And why couldn't he perform any? It's because they refused. Uh, You see, they could have chosen to believe, but they refused to believe. And what did they refuse to believe? They refused to believe that Jesus was who he said he was. They'd even seen miracles. They had heard him minister, but they refused to believe. Unbelief was rampant there. Now, I I want us to look at another reason why they didn't believe. You know, maybe they didn't believe because, oh, that's Joseph boy. But I believe they also didn't believe because if they would have believed that he was the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior, then they would have had to listen to what he said. Maybe they didn't like his words. Maybe they didn't like the message he was preaching. Now, now listen, some people want what Jesus can do for them while being offended at his words. Mm. Right now, a lot of people offended at the Bible. And those are the words of Jesus. You can't separate Jesus from his word. Can I just make this statement this morning don't expect the world to honor Jesus the world is offended at him and sad to say our nation is becoming more offended and when we speak the truth they get offended well they're not offended at us they're offended at Jesus because they don't believe that he is he said he is. Now, they, they may say, oh, I, I believe in Jesus, but I also think people can believe in this other God. Then you don't believe that he is. He says he is, and you're not embracing his word. But now listen, don't let those offended by Jesus keep you from believing from receiving your miracle. Come on, are you ready for a miracle? And do you remember the father that came to Jesus and he wanted his son healed? And Jesus said, hey, if you can believe, all things are possible. And what did the father say in return? Let me read it. Mark 9, 24. It says, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Listen, all of us. It doesn't matter how long we have known the Lord, how long we've walked with the Lord. Certainly we go from faith to faith and we grow, but we will always need to overcome some level of unbelief because there's unbelief coming against us all the time. And so we have to overcome the unbelief. How do we do that? 
This morning, I want to share with you several principles from the Word of God that teach us things. I'm going to say it this way. Spiritual exercises we can do that will help us overcome unbelief and get prepared for the miracles that God wants to do. Now, here's the first one. And when we look at this first spiritual exercise, I want to take you back to the story we went through last week, and we won't spend a lot of time on it. Uh, But I want to take you back to the three Hebrew children, and I want to talk to you about worship ready. I want to take you back to where the three Hebrew children, that they wouldn't bow to Nebuchadnezzar's idol, so they got thrown into the fiery furnace. And you know what happened? God delivered them supernaturally from that furnace. And here are the words of Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel chapter 3, verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Folks, if you don't think that unbelief didn't try to come on Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego. The unbelief that was said, this is over. God isn't who he says he is. But they pushed back. How did they push back? Listen, worship creates an atmosphere in which miracles happen. Mm. Let me encourage you, don't bow to the pressures of unbelief. While the three Hebrew children faced a literal fiery furnace, you and I face fiery trials that want to get us to bow. Now, now let me define what I mean by bow. They want us to bow, come under anxiety, fear, depression. The only reason we would be anxious, depressed, discouraged, disappointed, fearful. Now, I'm not saying you won't battle those things, but I'm saying to live that way, to embrace them. Uh, All of those things would happen because we don't believe that God's going to take care of us. We don't believe that Jesus' words are true, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means I can stand strong in a world that doesn't believe like I believe. That means I can be nice to people who aren't nice to me. That means I can love them even when they come at me. I can do this, come on, because I believe. I won't let the pressure of unbelief cause me to say I don't believe. And listen, it gets hot. Come on, it gets hot. It gets hot in society. And sometimes I just don't, I just don't want to say that because I know, even though it's the truth and I'm going to do my best to say it in love, I know somebody's going to come back at me. It's hot. Sometimes it gets hot in our marriage. Sometimes it gets hot financially. And we just want to say, you know what? Tithing doesn't work. I'm going to quit. What what you just do? Worship God. Worship Him. Now listen, sometimes when the fiery trial is there and the heat is on, our hope 
This way the flesh thinks, an unrenewed mind hopes that if we bow to the pressure, that we won't get consumed by the fire. Now listen, the truth is, fiery trials cannot consume those who worship God in the fire. Did you hear me? Don't bow. You'll get burned up. Oh, maybe not immediately. A little by little. Pretty soon you'll just have ashes in that area of your life. The fiery trials cannot consume those who worship God in the fire. Now, now listen. Worship literally pushes unbelief out of our lives. Now also, let me just say this. There is such a culture of unbelief around Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. As far as we know, now Daniel, who lived in that time, must have been off on business for the king, must have been away. But as far as we know, it records only three people believed. We're doing better than they were, and yet they didn't bow. There's been some pressure on the church. Well, you don't love if you say that. You don't love if you preach that. You don't love. You don't care. Come on. Such a secular. I, I need to just say this. To overcome unbelief, we must worship the God we say we believe. And that means worship Him in our thoughts, our attitudes, our words, our actions, everything. Now, I want to tell you something about America real quick. America is becoming more and more a secular nation. There's always been a degree of secularism in America, but it it just is what it is. Now, this is our country. We're going to pray. We're going to love. We're going to believe God. But let me just give you the definition so you know when people talk about secularism, what are they talking about? Here's how it's defined. Secularism is a worldwide view that allows no room for the supernatural no miracles, no divine revelation, no God. Can I tell you how secular America's become? Just in August, Harvard, who was established in the beginning as an institution to raise up ministers to preach, and this was quoted by them, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know what they just did in August? They made their head chaplain an atheist. Or they didn't make him an atheist. They selected an atheist to be their head chaplain. Thinking that if they had someone who didn't believe in God, then all the chaplains they had for the different religions, he could help bring all of them together. Folks, that is secularism at its peak. But what? how do we respond? We don't get mad and go to social media. Say those crazy people. No, we worship God in the midst of it. You know what? I, I pray for the, if there's some chaplains there that are preaching the gospel. I just pray that they just ha- hang loose a little bit. You know, hang tight and let Jesus defend himself. Woo! Come on. Let a miracle happen right there on the campus. 
And let's just, let's just let our God prove himself. But we've got to continue to worship him when the fire is on. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did that. And then the king came out and had to admit, your God is the real God. Well, how about if we worship God, then some people around us will have to stand up and say, Jesus is the savior of the world but it takes a church who has to worship who's willing not who has to but who's willing to worship Jesus in the midst of the fire just say this worship always overcomes unbelief and worship readies us for miracles are you ready for a miracle let's look at the next thing that readies us for a miracle and that is prayer ready we just read the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let's go to Daniel. Just right over to the next chapter. Apparently Daniel's back. And you remember the story. Now there's a new king. King Darius is king. And Daniel, who was an Israelite, had great favor with Darius. Now, folks, we can learn something from Daniel's life. Even in a culture that was the antithesis of what he believed, he did well. He showed up at work on time. He worked hard. He, he used every gift God had given him to bless the nation he was in without compromising his beliefs. And there were people that were jealous of Daniel because he had such favor with the king. And you remember the story, these other governors, and they got mad at Daniel, and they tried to find something against him. And the only thing that would work is something against his faith. So that's what they did. And they got King Darius to sign a law that said, if you prayed to any other god, you'd be thrown in the lion's den. And that's what happened. Listen to Daniel chapter 3, verse 10. It says, But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual. Folks, he saw the law had been signed, and what did he do? He went home, and as usual, he knelt down in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem, and he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. Prayer helps us overcome unbelief. When you're threatened with a lion's den, you might want to consider what you believe. Here's the truth. Prayer is a demonstration of our belief in a living God. Come on, why would you be praying if you didn't believe there was a God listening to you? Could say it this way prayer exercises our belief and pushes out unbelief. Every time you pray, you're just pushing back the forces that want you to not believe the word of God not believe that Jesus is who he says he is not believe that God's going to intervene why would you be praying unless you thinking God's going to do something I pray he's going to answer this one time the Lord told me and getting a little bit upset because I didn't see my prayers answered and the Lord said why would you be upset about something that's about to change it may not have changed yes but it's going to why because I prayed See, that's that unbelief trying to come in. That, oh, disappointment. Well, I don't see it. No, no, no. Come on, push back. Go back. Uh, you know what, devil? I just think I'll pray again. 
Let's think I'll just have a praise party. Prayer is a part. Praise is a part of prayer. Just thank God for what he's about to do. God, I know you're working. That wonderful song that we sing. Come on, he's a way maker. Even when I can't see it, he's working. That's why we keep praying. Prayer pushes back unbelief. It pushes us out of our life. Listen to Daniel. Chapter 3, verse 19, it says, Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, Long live the king. My God has sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. Wow. I, I like if you read the whole story, it says the den was sealed so no one could rescue Daniel. No one but God. C come on. Sometimes you think there's no way out of this, but God. Come on, pray. Pray, folks. Pray. You heard about a little kid that kept misbehaving in church, and his mama kept getting on to him, and finally she just looked at him and said, you're getting a whipping, and she picked him up and headed out, and he turned back looked at the people. Pray, people, pray. <laughs> Sometimes we feel like that. The guy who fell off the cliff, he was hiking, and got too close to the edge and it was loose and he fell but he's able to grab onto a little branch there but he knew that branch was going to give away or he was going to give away so he called hey anybody there can anybody catch me help me lift me up and a voice came out of heaven and God said I'm here just let go and I'll catch you and the guy said anybody else out there Now, I, I think we might have felt that way if God allowed us to go on into the lion's den. It's like, God, I'd rather you not, I'd rather you keep me out of the lion's den than shut the mouth of the lions. Now, we know that this was a miracle. Some people may say, well, those lions were just lazy, toothless, and old. We know that's not true because after Daniel was taken out, his enemies were thrown in, and it says the lions devoured them. Hmm. Now listen, prayer readies us for the miracles God wants to perform. Bottom line is this, people who pray see more miracles. Now let's just talk about prayer for just a moment because it can be difficult to pray. I mean, even my, in your own personal devotion, there seems to always be something against you setting aside time to pray. Could it be because the enemy knows that you're pushing unbelief out the door every time you pray. You're getting stronger every time you pray. You're getting ready for miracles. God can invade your life when we pray. We're not even facing a lion's den and we find it hard to pray. Daniel was facing a lion's den and he was still able to pray. Daniel prayed also in the midst of a society that was secular. There's a lot of unbelief. And yet he had favor because of his character, because of his integrity. Listen, you got an opportunity to pray tonight. Right here tonight, we're going to have praise and prayer. And so if you find it hard to pray by yourself, 
And I know it's, it's hard. Well, tonight, this Sunday night, I'm going to do this. No, no, no. Come on, push back. Show up and pray. Was that good? Did I just set y'all up? <laughs> Come on, I deserve a pause. I set y'all up. But see, I set you up for a good reason. Come on, I think it's important. Now, if you can, we realize every, everyone can't. But if you can, come out and pray. Now, let's talk about the next thing we said. Worship ready. We said prayer ready. And all of those things ready us for a miracles. How about obedience ready? Remember, the first miracle Jesus did was at the wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. And they ran out of wine. In John 2, 3, it says this. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus, his mother, told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, what's, that's not our problem. Sometimes I just want to say, Jesus, we're going to talk about that when I get to heaven. Because that was your mama. <laughs> but we know that's not the tone in which he said it. But anyway, Jesus replied, my time is not yet come. Listen to verse five. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Mm. Do what he tells you. You want to get ready for a miracle? Do what he tells you. Even in the smallest of things, sometimes the Lord just tells me, be nice. Because I've been on the phone with this company for over 30 minutes. Jane, be nice. You can still solve the problem. You can still air your grievances. Be nice. Come on, in the smallest of things, obedience matters. Mm. give what I told you to give call that person turn off the TV and open up your whatever he tells you to do do it obedience now, now listen I love this obedience crushes unbelief and opens the door to miracles Man, you want to crush unbelief? Then just step out and do what God told you to do. Mm. Crushes it. And this first miracle that Jesus did, it kept the party going. It kept the celebration going. It brought joy to many. And isn't that truth? God's miracles always bring joy, but miracles follow obedience. Now listen, Acts of obedience aren't always joyous, but the results always are. Come on, the acts of obedience aren't always joyous, but the results always are. Are you ready for a miracle? Now, we've said worship readies us, prayer readies us, obedience readies us. I want to wrap this up today talking about faith ready. And really, in each one of these instances, with the three Hebrew children, with Daniel, and at the wedding feast, all that's involved there is the exercising of the people's faith, worship, prayer, and obedience. All three of those take faith. 
And, and listen, we need to push back unbelief when we're in the midst of a fiery trial. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. It says, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold through your, those your faith is far more precious than mere gold so when your faith remains strong through many trials that means your worship your obedience and your prayer it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world in other words if you continue even in the midst of unbelief even in the midst of fiery trials, if you continue to exercise your faith and worship God and pray and obey one day, you're going to say, I am so glad I did. My faith was tried, but my faith passed the test. I pushed out unbelief. Faith works when unbelief is overcome. And how do you overcome unbelief? You worship, you pray, and you obey. Wow. Faith tried prompts miracles. Mm. You want to prompt a miracle? Then in the midst of that fiery trial, exercise your faith. Faith creates an atmosphere in which miracles work. Worship, prayer, and obedience are faith in action. They're the exercising of our faith. We could look at it this way, and I started out this way, and that is their spiritual exercises. And some of us need to exercise spiritually. Mm -hmm. And you know what? The last thing you want to do is exercise when it's hot, when you're in that trial. But that's when you need to do it most of all because that's when unbelief wants to come in and cause you to falter in the midst of a trial to not believe God. Can I just leave you with this this morning as we close out this morning? Can I just encourage you this way? Exercise your faith, overcome unbelief, and get ready for miracles. Amen. Did you get something out of that this morning? I pray that you did.